now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. And the pulse is up. I mean, it, it's like racing right now. Yes, we're 40, inside of 48 hours. We have college football on the tube here in the studio, UCLA, Cincinnati, about ready to kick it off. Give me like the secret. Give me like the secret sign when I start zoning out. You know, like snap in Just, front of my face. So, like, so I'm going to be watching this this game. I know every year I get excited for the start of the year, and I just told you this a few minutes ago. I, I don't know that I've ever been this hyped up. I'm I'm fired up, ready for this thing to start. Yeah, it's just going to be a completely different feel <clears throat> walking out on the on the on the field before the game. Um, you know, just going through everything this fan base has gone through with the coaching changes and. Uh, you know, obviously <clears throat> adopting Scott Frost as as the new head coach. And last year we were excited to see what it would look like. But I think most people kind of understood that it was going to take, take a minute for this thing to get turned around. And, you know, alas, here we are getting ready to go to year two. A manageable, a manageable schedule and a fantastic quarterback. And, you know, you, you just hope that this is the year that, you know, the, the patience is – is worth it um, for a year like we, we hope this one is. Expectations are always up for Husker football because of the great, rich tradition that it has. But I don't know that we've had expectations about a season like this for quite a while. And go back to our preseason top 25, we hadn't we didn't have Nebraska in our top 25 for about five years. We did this year. We had them in 18 when we re- revealed that. And we started that back in mid-July. So we try to be – even though we certainly do wear the red glasses all the time, we try to be a little bit neutral when we do things like that. So I just think there's a we're anticipating a really fun year, and I know Husker fans are too. And it's Thursday night. You got some high school football games kicking off around the state tonight. You've got Thursday night football on the TV with several games. Josh mentioned it in the ticker. Minnesota has a game tonight, so it's here. It's it's taking a long time, and I know we're starting the season in August. So you would think that, wow, man, what a break. Some years, and I think next year is one of them, you start September 5th, 6th, 7th, something like that. We're starting in August. But, man, it just seems like it's taken forever to get here. seems like it was two months ago when we were in Chicago, which that, and Bill Moose said this last night, that's kind of when football starts is when you have those media days. Yeah, and I was talking with a member of the media at practice the other day, and it's just you felt like last year finishing up with Iowa, the season was just getting started. You know, you kind of felt like – in certain respects, that was the first game of the year. And right. you're ready for a whole bunch more after that when the team started clicking and, you know, you, you started establishing who wanted to be in that locker room and who didn't. You know, it was, I even remember the locker room show after the game talking with the players about how long of an offseason it was going to be because we had that feeling as soon as the clock hit zeros or that field goal went through, that was the feeling is I can't wait for – I wish we were playing again next Saturday – and that has not been the case in recent years, uh, you know, no. ho- hoping for another game. So we, we finally made it in just, you know, 48 hours. We're going to be we're going to be on the field and, and we're going to be rolling it out there and going. Usually following four and eight seasons, you won away from the team. None of us had that feeling. And, and even Coach Frost said that he goes, I, I want to keep going. I, I did not want this season to end because I'm. we're just now getting this thing revved up a little bit, and it'll get cranked up here in a couple of days. All right, the coach did meet with the media today. Thought maybe we would have a decision made on Maurice Washington. There has not been one yet made. So it's still being debated, I think, by the powers to be. 
That would include Scott Frost, Bill Moose, who was here last night, probably Chancellor Green, talking about what they, how they want to proceed with this because he does have legal issues still hanging over his head. The next court update is next week. It's the 3rd of September. Uh, that may set another date. We don't even know what that's going to set. Uh, so no decision on Maurice Washington. I guess, Ben, I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't make the decision last night or today and let everybody know. Yeah, I mean, I think what that tells me is they're struggling either way. Yeah. They're, they're going back and forth on, on how to handle this. And it's such a tricky situation because of all the unanswered questions, the, the unknowns, the lack of clarity about how this thing's going to finish. Um, I mean, there's just there's such a long way to go in this process. It's just a really tough situation to navigate. It's not like, you know, a cut and dry case where this is what happened. These are the details. This is the, you know, the law of what he broke. And this is to the extent that he's going to be punished by the law. It's there. there we don't have that. Um, there are certain parts to that 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 we have about you know exactly what he's in trouble for, but the the ending result in it is so what's unclear, and you know in a in a tough position is exactly what everybody regarding the situation is in. Um, but you know I have full trust in everybody making those decisions that they're going to make the right one. Um, I know it's frustrating for the coaches, the administration, for the fans, and, and without a doubt, Mo Washington. It's got to be frustrating to have this just kind of drawn out. It's going to be distracting. For yeah, him, I mean, I think right? everybody I mean, just wants this thing, no matter what the direction of it, no matter what the result, I think that's just what we're craving. Everybody just wants a result and wants this to have some sort of finality to it. And, and let me, hey, I'm not excusing Maurice Washington for allegedly doing something that was pretty was not cool with what he did. That's obviously why he's facing those charges. But it just has really grinded to a halt the whole legal issue with him and has held a cloud over his head. Also, the head coach really had nothing new to share on the suspensions that were announced yesterday to Andre Hunt and Kentarian Legrone, I'm not surprised that there's nothing more there. I think there's a lot of fact-finding going on right now with those two guys. Uh, they have been indefinitely suspended and will not be in uniform for the game on Saturday. So he hit on those two things. He hit on a lot, a lot of the stuff that we'll get into in the practice report, but no update on either one of those uh, particular uh, things that happened um, during this past week, which again, you don't you don't want distractions. That certainly was a distraction with those two young men being suspended from the football team, and still no decision being made on Maurice Washington. Interesting. We got to talk about the the length of the holiday weekend for college football. Minnesota plays tonight. There are four Big Ten teams that will play tomorrow night. So five teams in the league will be done when Nebraska tees it up at eleven o'clock on Saturday morning. That's a pretty heavy load of games. Uh, we, we talked about these a couple of these on the Blitz last night, including Wisconsin, who plays tomorrow night, and Purdue, who plays tomorrow night. We'll get a chance to really kind of peek in on these, these teams in the West, Ben, that we know is going to be so competitive with Minnesota, Wisconsin, Purdue, all playing before we go on Saturday. Good chance to kind of scout a little bit and see what those three look like. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm, I'm – I'm very grateful for Phil Steele, but I'm tired of looking at his <laughs> magazine and tell me telling me what's going to happen. I'd rather just have it play out on the field and you know to see what these teams look like after a, a fall camp and a summer and an off season. You know what 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 they look like on the field, and that that's the, the great thing about these games starting right now. Having UCLA and Cincinnati on as as we start the show tonight, that's the great part about it. Is you know 
everything that we've talked about in the last two months doesn't matter. Right. I mean, this has all started, and, and and we're going. And we can all be fans and sit back and let it happen. All right, time to get into tonight's practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Time to replace your roof called JTEC, the official exterior experts of the Huskers. For a free estimate, JTEC Construction is a family-owned company with locations in Lincoln, Omaha, and Grand Island. Well, it's been offense, defense, and now the head coach's turn to meet with the media following the first week of practice, first game week of 2019. How does the head coach feel about going into Saturday? I uh, feel great. Um, our team just needs to play like it's been practicing all fall, and we're going to be in good shape. Um, it was a little different this week, starting class on the same day we were starting preparation for a game. Um, wasn't as happy with Tuesday and Wednesday practice as I would have liked to have been. Um, they were good, but I think just going to class and, and a lot of change in routine probably affected them a little. Today was really good, so I think our guys are dialed in and ready to go and anxious to play a football game. Yeah, I mean, I th- uh, you got to be over the, the dog days of fall camp now. It's game week. It's time to prepare. And for those upperclassmen, they know that it's time to buckle down and take every rep seriously in practice. I was at an event today for one of our great sponsors, Emeritus, with Josh Banderas. And I said, Josh, what, what are the players feeling today like? And he says, well, it depends. He said, the younger guys are probably real jittery and, you know, kind of have the shaky leg. He said, the, the veteran guys, you've been through it before. You know you have a – you have, in essence, a job to do on Saturday. And so you're focusing your mind. You're going over in your head, your assignments, your keys, those type of things. We said veteran guys because they've been through it. He said, but, yeah, those, those young freshmen and even redshirt freshmen who know they're going to play maybe for the first time, it's hard to contain your excitement right now. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, well, we did address uh, the two unfortunate situations that we're dealing with right now in terms of the distraction, but may as well let the head coach – uh, you hear from him exactly what he had to say, starting first with the Mo Washington situation. We haven't decided yet. The decision is going to be made before kickoff, before the game starts on Saturday. Um, and I guess you guys will know then. So that, that's the from the horse's mouth there. And obviously we addressed the suspended players in the first segment as well. But here's what he had to say on that. No, I know Troy announced it yesterday. It was his day up with the media, and, and we felt like we needed to be transparent and let you guys know. Um, I don't have anything else to say other than uh, the two kids, Andre and Katerina, have been suspended indefinitely, and um, that's all we can do and, and all I can say. So that's exactly what he had to say. We did address that, both of those situations earlier in the show. Now back to the preparation and how he feels for Saturday, what does he want to see here in game one against South Alabama? Well, first and foremost, I, I told the team today that I want, I want people to tell me when the game's over that our guys were flying around and looked fast, looked like we were playing fast on all, in all three phases of the game. Um, there's no sense dipping our toe in the water. We've been practicing fast. I want them to play that way on the field. Um, turnovers would be the second one that I told them. Uh, we didn't get our hands on enough balls on defense last year. Um, Last year, even on our first drive, we turned it over and probably changed the first game. Um, you you got to do well in the turnover battle. Uh, we do those two things and execute at a good rate. It's hard to execute as efficiently in game one as you do later on 
in the year, uh, but our guys have a lot of reps at what they're doing, so hopefully that's improved as well. The first two drives against Colorado last year, Nebraska turned it over, and they were down 14 nothing before you know, the game even really started, and then Adrian Martinez scored his first touchdown, went 14-7 after that, but climbing out of a 14 nothing hole in the first week is not something you want to do against any opponent. And I think, I think the turnover thing has a lot of legs. It'd be nice to see Nebraska with a plus sign next to that number for once. Been a while. Omaha World Herald did a pretty extensive piece. It was really well done about a week ago about how for the last 15 years, the turnover margin has been an issue for Husker football. It's just really hard to win when you don't win the turnover battle. And, you know, I, I think if Nebraska can add five or six more takeaways and reduce their own by two or three, I think then you start having success if you kind of can flip it to even a plus two or plus three on the year. Talking a little bit earlier about some some young players into the program, it's usually about this time. You know, you've had plenty of evaluation period if you're the coaches about some of these freshmen and newcomers, about potential red shirts and, and what they want to do in, in that regard. Has there been any decisions made on that? Here's Coach Frost talking about potential which players to red shirt. Yeah, like I said before, I think there's a lot of guys that are still kind of on the fence if we're going to redshirt them or not. Um, some of these walk-ons have done a great job stepping up on both sides of the ball. I'm thrilled for those guys. Uh, some of the guys that aren't in the two deep that are young, I, I think had great camps and are going to be exceptional players around here. You just never know when a guy's going to be ready or when it's going to click for him uh, so that he can be efficient. Um, some of those guys may redshirt. Others we may need later on down, down the line this year. Um, some other guys are still running with the regular offense and defense and, and trying to work their way up to that. So it's kind of case-by-case basis. One of those cases is the quarterback spot. Obviously, you feel comfortable with Adrian Martinez. Noah Vedral um, has, has had a good camp from what we hear. And Andrew Bunch, who has game experience as well. There's one name missing from that list, that being Luke McCaffrey, what's his situation and what does Coach Frost uh, see on his outlook and who, what the backup quarterback situation looks like? Yeah, Luke had a phenomenal camp. Um, every day he kind of surprises me by doing something. He, he's a better player than I probably even hoped he would be. Um, that being said, Noah's had a great camp too. Uh, Noah's going to be our number two going forward. We're going to do everything we can to redshirt Luke. Um, if something changes, then then we'll readdress that. But both those quarterbacks understand that, and that's where we're going to start with the season here. I think that's probably best-case scenario. You know, you get a very experienced guy, and, and Noah Vedral has been around this offense more than anybody on this current roster. That includes Adrian Martinez with his days at UCF. So um, I think that would be best-case scenario moving forward, and it's great to hear that, that Luke has had such a good camp because – uh, you know, unfortunately, I know we've had just one year with him, but Adrian's not going to be around forever. But you got to kind of get guys ready and groomed up in case something either happens to him or when he's gone, they're ready to take the reins. What a difference a year makes at that position, right? No I mean, it was it, it was it was this week a year ago that Jebbia decides to to leave the program, and so you go into that opener even against Akron. You had one scholarship quarterback, and that was Adrian, and you had Andrew Bunch. Noah had not been cleared by the NCA yet. And so then we had the issues with weeks two and three. I mean, it, now you feel like you've got three that you can win with, and you you hope you get the benefit of redshirting Luke. It's just it just it makes you just feel so much better about things. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like there are a few things on this show that that get calls more than anything else. Quarterbacks being one, running the ball number two, and usually the third thing, stopping the run. Uh, people always want to know about that and. 
what Nebraska's defensive line looks like and what the front seven looks like and how they how are we going to stop the run with Wisconsin and Iowa. Well, it's been a while since that since that's been addressed. And if what I just said pertains to you, here's the head coach talking about uh, the ability to stop the run and what he sees in that area. Yeah, I, again, I hope the front seven comes out on Saturday and plays like they've been practicing because they've been hard to move the ball against in camp. Um, we really have to execute well and be aggressive on offense to move it against them. So, you know, this team presents some some unique things. I think they do a really good job with scheme. Um, South Alabama's got some plays that you have to be uh, really disciplined and, and on your assignment with. Um, but I feel good about the front seven and where they are. They, they've been playing at a pretty high level all camp. And having a dude the size of Darian Daniels mm -hmm. in the middle is a good place to start. Yeah, crazy. You have two sets of brothers, the Davis twins and the Daniels brothers that are going to occupy a lot of those spaces up front. Trey Mentor is a pretty good little back for South Alabama. He rushed for nearly 800 yards a year ago. Not a bad little player, uh, so they'll, they'll be challenged. The last time South Alabama played here, they only they only managed 19 rushing yards. Nebraska would love to duplicate that performance, but uh, this will be a, the first crack to see what this defense looks like. Yeah, and you, and you mean Colorado had a lot of success last year in, in in week number one, part because you know it was their second game and Nebraska's first uh, first game with a new scheme. You hope all those things don't apply this year. And you can see the black shirts flying around, playing physical and fast, as you've heard both Scott Frost and Eric Shenander say. You know, you just hope things uh, go as planned this year. Very good. All right. Time to do it. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Football Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Snap back. Adrian keeps it himself off the left side. There he goes. 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program. Montez looks over the defense, takes a snap, sets, throws, gets hit, drilled at the 10-yard line by Khalil Davis. Khalil Davis drills the Colorado quarterback. It's fourth down. CU has to pop the ball away. And that one hurt, Greg. With the head coach, Scott Frost. Six on the play clock. Snap. Oh, not a great snap. Armstrong gets it down. The kick sent in toward the uprights. And the kick is good. And the Huskers have the lead. Barrett Pickering from 47 yards out. And it's 9-6. Big red. Brought to you by Channel Seeds. Find your Channel Seedsman at channel.com. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at buyfordnow.com. Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. And welcome to our first football show of the fall. The head coach in studio with us tonight. We're going to be taking phone calls throughout the hour at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Nebraska's set to open the season against South Alabama on Saturday at 11 a.m. kickoff. The Big Red as they begin the 2019 football season it's been a long way I thought you said it perfectly coach earlier that when you don't go to a bowl game it makes that off season even longer and you're you're ready to spend the holidays somewhere other than Lincoln Nebraska this year yeah we're hoping that happens uh, the guys did a great job of working out this off season and getting better kind of with a chip on their shoulder but we de we definitely don't want to ever have that much time off again it's a lot makes for a long long off season for the guys your thoughts about August? It's it, it can be a, I mean, it's a long month for all of us. I'm sure it is for the players to try to keep their attention, try to get better day in and day out. What have you thought of the last three, four weeks? 
I've been thrilled with August. Uh, I think the key now is they put in so much hard work, made so many improvements that we need to go out and play well and let them see the fruits of all that labor and all that effort. Um, and that'll help them even buy in more. And, and we need to keep improving from this point. But um, I'm pretty pleased with where we are right now. The, you, you look like you had some pretty good competition at a lot of different spots on this team. And you've said you feel like you're better at pretty much every spot on this team than you were in 2018. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that's true. Um, we lost some, some good players, but, you know, you, you could probably make an argument that it's, we, it's hard to replace Stanley. I think it, uh, it's difficult to replace Luke Gifford with as solid as he was for us on that side of the ball. Um, you can make an argument for those two spots. But I think every other position on our offense and defense, I think we're considerably better than we were a year ago. And deeper. And quarterback would be the maybe the number one exhibit of that. You went into the games last year not having a lot of depth at all. You have to like the depth you have at that spot right now. Yeah, we really like it. Um, you know, if you give Mario Verduzco a, a guy with talent that can throw the ball and, and can think through things quickly, he's going to turn him into a really good quarterback. And um, we got several guys right now that I feel good about. Luke McCaffrey was a signee for you in December. He got here in the spring, able to go through that. You pleased with the progress you've seen for him? And I know you mentioned this week you'd, you'd like to be able to redshirt him, but have you liked what you've seen from Luke? Yeah, we've loved it. Um, he surprised us all, I think, with how quickly he picked things up, um, how dynamic he could be, how well he's thrown it. Um, he's He's got a bright future around here with us, and uh, we hope that doesn't start until a year from now because we'd, like we'd like to save the year for him. You mentioned Stanley Morgan, no longer a part of the program after graduating last year, trying to hang on with the Cincinnati Bengals. How about the wide receiver position? J.D. is maybe your only known commodity there. What about that group and how competitive was that during August? It was a good competition. The guys worked together. I think they competed against each other, but it, it felt like a unit of brothers trying to get better as a group. Um, a lot of guys have a chance to help us this year. You know, we've had a few little injuries through camp that have kept guys out for short periods of time. So a lot of different guys have gotten reps. Um, we think that most of them are up and ready to go now. And uh, I'm hoping for big things out of that position group. Well, one guy that we've heard quite a bit about from you, from Troy Walters, from a lot of the coaches is Wandale Robinson. Give us kind of a, a peek of what he looks like. What has he been like for you? Well, he's what we thought he'd be. He's quick. He's dynamic. He's, he, he runs tough, uh, can catch the ball. We can use him in a bunch of different places. And I think early on for him, it's just going to be, you know, how good a shape he's in as a, as a freshman and, and how many plays he can handle um, early on. But, you know, he, he makes us better when he's out on the field because he's another playmaker, and, and we'll try to get him involved as, as often as we can. Is he somebody that you can utilize in kicking game? And same question for J.D. How much do you want to use those guys in the kicking game? Yeah, you guys like J.D., we want to make sure we have healthy for offense. Uh, but you have a decision to make when they're, they're also your best returners. And uh, I think we use J.D. when we need him in those situations. He wants to do it, is asking us to do it. So expect he'll be back catching at least punts for us. Um, Wandale, same way. I think he, he might be catching kickoffs. But we have a lot of different guys that can do it too. So um, – I think more than more than one person will be back catching both of those. You got into August and you knew you were trying to replace two guys, two spots on that offensive line, a left guard position and a center position. One thing that didn't really waver at all in August was, was Trent Hickson's holding down that left guard spot, even though you brought in some really good young offensive linemen. He must have been impressive for you during August. Yeah, Trent did a good job. Um, you know, 
we we rewarded him with a scholarship, so he'll be on scholarship the rest of his time at Nebraska. Um, excited about what he's done. I think he'll just keep getting better. Uh, I think really for him it was a, it was a, just a matter of feeling comfortable knowing the scheme and playing with that kind of confidence. Uh, but he's got a bunch of talent and has done a good job. In the center spot, it looks like Cam Jurgens has come on late in camp for him, done a good job. Yeah, Cam, Cam's a pretty special player when he's healthy. He's just been kind of bit by some injury bugs. So, um, you know, he, he's ready to go now. Um, we're going to try to keep him healthy throughout the year, but he makes a difference on our line for us. And, and the other guys that we're filling in in his absence, uh, especially Will Farniak, have, have done a really good job. So we, we feel great about having them in there too. Greg Austin did tell the media a couple of days ago that he had a conversation with Will and said, keep your head up. There'll be a time we need you. Long season. There's a lot of snaps to be taken. And he's a redshirt freshman. He's not a guy that's been around. He's still a pretty young player in your program. No, he's got to learn, too, and, and he'll keep getting better. Um, you know, in this day and age, everybody wants to play and play now. They want what they want right now. And sometimes when you don't get it, it can be frustrating. But, shoot, I didn't I didn't play until my fourth year of college, uh, and it worked out pretty well. And there's hundreds of examples of that. So, um I know some of these guys are are going to be happy with how much they play. A, a few might be disappointed, but their day's probably coming. You hand, you voted on captains last week. Did the vote surprise you at all with the four that came out of that? No. You know what what really excited me was the number of players that got votes. Um, I wasn't really surprised by the guys that ended up being captains. They've done a good job, and and we could have predicted that they would get votes. But there was a a lot of people on both sides of the ball that at least some of their teammates thought were, were deserving of being named our captains. And, and that, I think that speaks to the depth at which we're doing things the right way and the number of guys holding other people accountable. Darian Daniels has been here less than nine months and yet gets voted a captain. That speaks pretty highly to that young man. He's just got a presence about him. Um, he's a grown-up. You know, he's been around and seen a lot of things in two different places, um, conducts himself like – a professional and I I think it was pretty easy decision for guys based on the voting that he was one of the ones that they wanted to have leading them out of the tunnel ever seen something like that a guy that new to a program uh I don't know if I've seen it I, I but either you know it didn't take us very long at having him in the building to see the, the potential there and he, he he did a great job coming in and you know not bulldozing to a leadership position but just letting it come naturally and guys have gravitated gravitated toward him what do you think of that group up front um pretty excited about it excited about some of the talent we have there definitely excited about the depth we have the daniels davises ben stilly i heard uh, coach tuyote say we consider him a starter i know he's not listed as a starter but he's going to play a lot of football for us that's a good thing to have right be able to rotate bodies and keep guys fresh during game it is i, I think we're better if we have uh, two groups that we feel comfortable having on the field at any time. Um, you know, both Daniels brothers have done a great job. Um, really, DeAndre Thomas has had a really good camp, too, and, and gives us another guy over there. And, and it goes deeper than that with guys that have done a done a really good job in camp. So I, I think we have quite a bit of depth there, and I think guys will take advantage when they get a chance to play. Take some calls. Let's go to Fairbury. Jesse, you're up with the head coach. Hey, Coach, uh, I just want to tell you you're doing good things up there and uh, good luck this season. And uh, I got a question for you. Uh, if you were to describe your football team this year to somebody that knew nothing about them, how would you describe them? And I'll hang up and listen to your, call, or your answer. 
Well, first of all, thanks for good luck. Good luck to the the Jeffs and now everybody in Fairbury this year. Um, if I had to describe my team, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is fun to coach. Um, last year, I don't know if I would have said that, uh, that we were dealing with a lot of issues on and off the field last year. Uh, this year through camp, um, you know, we didn't have to deal with any of that. The guys knew exactly what they were supposed to do. They practiced hard. We weren't having to motivate. We weren't having to fix things. Uh, they showed up to meetings. They paid attention. They fixed things on their own. Uh, just a lot easier for all of us on the coaching staff this year because of the, I think, quality of leadership and and having good teammates on the football team. So we're, we're all having a lot more fun in the building this year. You keep talking about during August you, that you feel like the team is playing faster. It has to just be that they're more familiar with everything they're doing, right? Doesn't that go hand in hand that way? I think it's two things. I think we're faster as individuals because of the work that they did in the offseason with Zach and his, and his boys, Andrew Strope and everyone else. Um, and But familiarity with the scheme lets you fly around. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to do anything really fast when you're unsure if you're doing the right thing or where you're supposed to go. And uh, for the most part, a lot of that's been alleviated. You notice that on defense as well as the offense? Probably more so on defense. Uh, they've really cut it loose on defense. And what was great during camp is that the defense would you know, go faster and offense would have to match it. Then the offense would start getting after the D and, and they'd pick it up. and. There was a really good back and forth that was going on that I think has made our whole team better. Depth chart came out on Monday, and we, we got some calls on Monday night show. Some people were, like, surprised they didn't see some maybe more of those freshmen in that secondary cracking your two deep. Is there a concern there, or is it just you had some guys step up and have good camps? No, I, I can't say enough good things about the four freshman DBs that came in. Um, you know, Miles Farmer was doing a great job and, and had a little bit of an injury and missed some time. And it, it's tough to crack the lineup if you miss any time. Um, you know, Noah Paul Gates is a really, really good athlete. Um, I think it's just going to take him a, a little bit longer than what we've had so far to learn it and be ready to compete. Um, um, Buddha Wright uh, is doing great. Uh, he's got a huge upside because of his size and speed and ability. Um, to be honest with you, there's just guys ahead of him right now that know the system better and, and made a few more plays and were a little more reliable. But uh, those four guys in the secondary, the young, I think are going to be really good players for us. Newsom did make the two deep. He was on there. Yeah, of the group, he's the one that stayed healthy, maybe picked up the schemes the fastest. It's also a little bit easier at corner than it is at, at safety. You don't have to make as many calls. Um, you just kind of go out there and cover guys and play zone. And, um, boy, he he didn't shy away from anything. He got in there and mixed it up with the older guys right away and kind of earned his spot. You had some walk-ons that, that popped in there, and Stahlberg and Sullivan, but those are guys that, if they don't play a ton of defense, maybe help you out on teams a little bit too. Yeah, I, I think teams is going to be a lot better, too, just because we have more athletes on the team. A lot of the walk-ons that we've been talking about for a long time are going to help us on teams. A lot of the young athletes that we've recruited are going to help us on teams. And um, I think we've got a lot more fast guys to run down on kick and punt now. Let's go to back to the phones. Let's go to Central City. Jim, you're up with the head coach. Hi, Coach Frost. Nice to uh, ask you this question. It's kind of a general uh, question, not not just for Nebraska, but just for coaching uh, decisions overall. Uh, you know, when, when players are uh, arrested for whatever it is, um, it seems like that they're dismissed from teams. I know 
a couple of uh, high-profile teams had players kicked off the team uh, this season or before the season this summer. And how does that? How does that? How do you coaches decide that? Because um, they're not guilty in the court of law yet, and yet sometimes it seems like they're off a team. You know, before before they even are found guilty, uh, is there a threshold? Or I just, you know, I'm just just really curious how that works. If you don't mind answering that question for me. Yeah, it's a difficult question and and one I'm going to have to answer delicately, but it's a good question. Um, You know, first of all, we're going to treat every issue that comes up, and hopefully we don't have any, but inevitably um, when you have 150 young men, I think if you took any cross-section of 150 college kids on any campus, uh, you'd be hard to have 150 where you wouldn't have an issue. And... First of all, we do everything we can to try to educate our guys, teach our guys the right way to do things, good decisions to make. Uh, we have our coaches speak to them, guest speakers come in and speak to them. Um, but when we do have problems, I, you know, we, we try to treat every situation as a unique situation, try to make the best decision we can. Um, some of those decisions aren't just made by football coach or football coaches, they're made by uh, administrators, um, people on campus, the athletic director, the chancellor, um, Title IX office, if it's that kind of um, problem. So, you know, it, it isn't just coaches that are making those decisions. And uh, the last thing I'll say is I, I, I do respect leaders that make the right decision, uh, even if it's popular or even if it's not popular. And, and that's why I think as an athletic department, we try to look at everything equally. Uh, I got a, a lot of respect for Coach Osborne for a lot of reasons, but at the end of the day, he was going to do everything he could for us as players um, within his power as long as it made sense. And, and we knew that, that he was going to help us um, regardless of whether he would take a little heat for it or not, he was going to do the right thing. And, and I think that's what leaders do. I think they make the, the right decision, um, even in the face of a little bit of criticism. Jim, appreciate the phone call. Bill Moose was in here last night for his monthly show. How nice is it to work for a guy, Scott, that was a college athlete, college football player, but a college athlete understands some of the hurdles? Because some, and he and I were talking about this, that so many times athletic directors now are, are business guys. They came from the business world, and it didn't come from the athletic world. Is it nice to work for a guy that understands maybe the ins and outs of athletics pretty well? Yeah, Bill and I are on the same page with almost everything when we have communication um, in regards to everything. Um, and when it comes down to these things, he's definitely good counsel for us, uh, gives us advice in some cases, tells us what we need to be doing. Uh, same with with campus. Um, and just to clarify what I said, that there's some things that that athletes do, not just in Nebraska but other places, where they absolutely need to be removed from teams mm-hmm. and, and suspended or, or never to be back. Um, our players know there are certain things that are non-negotiables that they cannot do or they won't be a part of our team. Um, and then there's others where, you know, we want to try to help help them as much as we can. So it, it just comes down to each situation is unique, and we do the best to, to make the correct decision. The Huskers ready to open up the season on Saturday, 11 a.m. kick against the South Alabama Jaguars, a program that's only been around about 10 years started in 2009 their coach is in like you is in his second year there 
pretty successful at the FCS level, and I think he even did some time at Division Two. But trying to build that program up, that's, that'd be a chore. It, it, it yeah, it is. It's a chore anytime you're starting fresh or taking over a program. But you, you can tell he's done a good job. Their guys know what they're doing. I think their schemes are really good. Um, that's actually a really good place down there. We've done some recruiting uh, in Mobile and and down in Alabama, and have a few guys on our team from down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's a program with a lot of potential uh, because of the type of talent they can get there. You are now into the second year kind of of this new recruiting calendar. Do you like some of the changes the NCAA has made to the recruiting calendar? Yeah, I, I think they work. Um, like I said before, they're definitely not good for a new coach coming in, um, trying to figure out which kids to take and which kids not to in a week or two. Um, so it was definitely hard in, in the first cycle, but we, we liked it a lot better as a coaching staff this next time around, and um, I, I'm fine with the changes they made. A couple of guys who work for truck center companies were black shirts, the Kelsey brothers. They were down here on Monday for a pretty special thing. How'd that idea come about? That was cool, having those guys come back and award the black shirts to this year's team. Yeah, I guess i got to give the credit for that idea to, to Jared Lambrecht, our DFO, and Eric Shenander. Um but it turned out great. It was kind of a spur of moment thing. We were trying to think of uh, great black shirts that were still living in the Lincoln Omaha area. Um, the guys that came in, well, first of all, I think they were more excited about it than the players. Not to say the players weren't, but it meant a lot to those guys. It meant a lot to me to have those guys explain to the team what it, what a black shirt meant. I thought it was good for both sides of our ball to to hear kind of the characteristics and traits that those guys thought of Black Sherp represented, and it was a pretty special deal. Yeah, those guys, uh, Jay Foreman even said he told the guys that he wants to be buried in a black shirt. It meant that much to him to play football. Here was a teammate of yours, a heck of a football player in in his own right. Yeah, Jay's guy probably doesn't get enough credit for how good a player he was. Um, And all those guys, you know, Mark Mumford, I think it meant a ton to him to come back, and uh, he was almost – tearing up talking mm-hmm. about it so the the passion definitely showed to our players and i hope they picked up on it tomorrow uh, is the new the newest class of the nebraska hall of fame is going to be enshrined your mom one of the newest members of this class that's quite an honor for her i mean how does she handle this kind of thing humbly yeah. um, that's the way mom is um you know she was a great athlete before there were athletics and um she grew up in a time where not only were there not a lot of opportunities for women athletes, which is a shame, and we've gotten that fixed, but in a time where a lot of people frowned on. Mm-hmm. Uh, she tells me stories that um, a lot of people didn't agree with what she was doing, but uh, she persevered and was an unusually gifted athlete, and it was great in a lot of sports, and, and she belongs in the Hall of Fame. That's really cool. Really, it's a great class. A uh, teammate of yours, Grant Wistrom, is also being and trying. That guy, that guy was intense, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I I loved playing with Grant. Didn't really like playing against him, but I loved playing with him. He he will be among the the enshrinees tomorrow. So we're looking forward. Those guys will all be honored then on the field for the game, and also it's a big celebration for the 50th anniversary of Husker Power, which with you coming back and bringing Zach Duvall back, kind of brings the circle back together. Because Zach came out of the Boyd Epley tree to kind of bring Husker power back. And you've you've commented that that's maybe as big a thing that this program can do is get the strength and conditioning back to where it needs to be. Well, I think all Nebraskans feel that way. Nebraska Nebraska football used to stand for a lot of things, and Husker power was one of them. Um, 
we we knew we always had it as big and strong and fast and tough a team as anybody we were going to play uh, Boyd Epley deserves a lot of credit for that. Mike Arthur, who's been yeah. on board for a long time, and all the other guys that worked in in the in the weight room. Nebraska was ahead of its time, and uh, we're trying to get it get it back to that point. I think with Zach on board, uh, we there's not a better one in the country. So hopefully Nebraska Nebraska's strength conditioning program can return to its glory days, and, and Husker power was a, a special part of what Nebraska accomplished. Mike Arthur back working football. Right, I mean, he'd been with some other sports while, but I think he's back working football. Yeah, Mike's around, and and Mike had a lot to do with all the great things that happened yeah. uh, a long time ago. Didn't get a lot of credit because Boyd I mean, Boyd's out there, kind of the front man, but Mike was the guy working a lot of the trenches for all those things. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, and Boyd would, would admit that too. Hey, think you can guess the Husker score? Submit your prediction with the NEX guess on Facebook.com/slash Huskers, and you could win a two hundred dollar gift card courtesy of Nebraska Crossing. All right, tomorrow, what does to, do you do a practice type thing tomorrow? Is it just strictly a walkthrough? Take us through tomorrow. Uh, we call Friday practice Fast Friday. Uh, we just had a walkthrough on Thursday, and we're going to get out and run full speed, special teams, just a few reps of every special team, run through some offensive stuff and defensive stuff at full speed, um, try to get our guys cranked up and ready to be at their best uh, Saturday morning. Uh, we'll have special teams call-outs and uh, some meetings and head head to class and then head to the hotel tomorrow night and get ready to play and I think the guys are itching to play so your fourth year as head coach have you tweaked your Friday game day routine at all in the four years maybe here and there uh, anytime we we come up with an idea that we think is better than what we've done we're not going to just stick to what we've done because it's what we've always done before so it, we, we've tweaked it a little but you also don't want to fix what's what's not broken we, uh, we had our, our good friends at Famous Days bring you some barbecue. It was all right, wasn't it? Pretty oh, good little treat. It's really good. Had a few ribs and some mac and cheese and a cornbread muffin. Can't, can't complain. Did you keep your shirt clean? I, I You're did. You're good? Okay. There's some other people in the office yeah, I, I don't think did. but Yeah, I'm good. Ben? Ben, maybe. He says he's all right. So. Well, this is going to be fun. Husker fans are ready. They're excited. I know you feel that energy from the fan base. This town transforms itself. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but it's special the seven times a year we get a home football game here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, I find myself just excited and anxious to get back out there. Um, watching these college football games that are starting makes me – want to get out there even more there's some sloppy play in these i think sometimes that's what happens in in first games hopefully we can avoid that but more than anything i i just want to see our guys go out and attack and play really fast and uh, hopefully the rest takes care of itself all right appreciate it coming in tonight let's go get this thing cranked up on saturday let's go uh, husker football 11 o'clock kickoff for the big red against the jaguars of south alabama right now let's talk to teddy He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Well, he didn't cash a check for $15 million last week. That was uh, just Roy McElroy did that, I'm guessing. How are you, my friend? I'm great. You know, if Rory wants to give me like three shots a hole and play for the fifteen million, I'm I'm game for that. He was solid, wasn't he? That was a pretty impressive performance. It was. I uh, I lost a wager with a buddy of mine. I had Justin Thomas. He had the field. 
Uh, we, we altered the odds a little bit, um, but I thought Justin was going to be was great. I mean, I was totally you know, influenced and over-influenced by what I saw at Medina. And I think in the final analysis, it's probably hard to go into a tournament with the lead and everybody expecting you to win it. It's hard enough when you do that on Sunday. I think it's especially hard when you go into Thursday morning with those kind of expectations. So Justin was okay, but uh, Rory was obviously better. Well, that closes the chapter on golf for a while for us, but now we open up the one I think we all love, and that's college football games on tonight. You ready for this? I'm so ready for this. It's interesting that Utah-BYU game, a lot of the uh, the quote-unquote experts out there are all over BYU. They think uh, those guys are going to be really good as a six-and-a-half-point uh, underdog, and obviously Clemson is uh, already dominating, and I'll be interested to see uh, Minnesota against the Jackrabbits of uh, South Dakota State. So couldn't come here soon enough. Uh, fortunately, tomorrow for San Fran, check out uh, Northwestern Stanford and then uh, Notre Dame Louisville on Labor Day. But, you know, pretty – Decent Big Ten slate, but uh, you know, let's be honest, they could they could uh, be playing Division three teams. We, we we'd be watching. We're just so salivating for college football right now. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, you're you're uh, going to be at that Northwestern game with Stanford on Saturday. Fitz has really played it close to the vest, Teddy, on his starting quarterback. Do you think the team knows yet? Do you think he's let does the players know what's going on? He, Greg, he has become so obsessed with the whole secrecy thing. It's hilarious because he's a really normal person other than this. But when it comes to all this kind of stuff, he is a classically paranoid football coach. So the other day, Wednesday practice, I mean, it was like the most gorgeous day in Chicago. It's like 70 degrees, light breezes. You know, they have this practice field right on Lake Michigan. Couldn't be a better setting. And they choose to go inside. It was strange, especially because, like, you know, you usually want to replicate the conditions of your game, and that's the exact temperature it's going to be when they kick off at Stanford on Saturday. But he is so worried about, you know, getting, quote, unquote, skunked, as they call it, people spying on him uh, at the outdoor practice field. So that they moved inside. I think it's kind of hilarious because, I mean, look, it's going to be Hunter Johnson or T.J. Green, and it's not like you're choosing among, like, Aaron Rodgers versus – they're not that dissimilar, but he is just obsessed with, you know, obsessed with this whole thing. Plus, he's very big on not allowing the other team to know which freshman play. So, I mean, they have a really good receiver who's, who they're going to unveil and try to catch David Shaw, um, you know, by surprise. So, it's worked for them. They beat Purdue last year on Thursday night. They didn't let anybody know that Clayton Thorson had been cleared, but was only going to play some of the game. I think Fitz makes too big a deal of it, but whatever. It, it's his thing. He likes being secretive, and we just end up playing by the rules. You know, he's not the only one. A lot of these coaches are pretty paranoid about people trying to spy and see things for them. Outside of Bill Belichick, does anybody really do that? I don't I don't think they do. I don't think so. I mean, the example that I always give people is when Pete Carroll had a rolling at USC – practices were open to everyone they would have let an assistant coach from ucla watch practice and what it represented to me was Pete carroll was so confident in his players and what he was doing that his attitude was we're better than you you can know what we're going to run and you can't stop us anyway he also felt like if you have a lot of people watching practice fans, parents, whoever, it makes practice more intense because the players play harder. It makes it more like a game atmosphere. But that's unusual. Most coaches are lock the door, 
throw away the key. Uh, if, if you're witnessing it, you pretty much have to sign a non-disclosure agreement that you're not going to give up any sort of information. So I think it's kind of silly, but it's also, I've decided it's kind of fun. You know, instead of him telling us who the quarterback is going to be, we can just speculate about it for weeks, which is, which kind of serves our purposes better than anything else. No doubt. Teddy Greenstein's with us from the Chicago Tribune. You're headed to Palo Alto to watch that game. In the past, you have, you've made your attempt to pick all these Big Ten games. Are you doing that again this year? I am doing it. And uh, I, I uh, just posted a column. It's, it's down on Twitter. Um and I said, hey, I hope I didn't uh, blow anybody's college savings. Last year I was seven under 500. I apologize to everyone <laughs> for the bad picks. Uh, going to try to focus a little more this year, also expanding it to add a national game and their name. So um, I think I'm going to have a solid week one. You know, one of the tougher games I felt like was Nebraska laying, I believe it's 36 against South Alabama. Yeah, I ended up laying all those points. But the two I feel actually pretty good about are – Northwestern plus six and a half at Stanford and Nevada getting 11 points at home against Purdue. I mean, think about Purdue. It's like you're playing different time zone. It's late. It's thin air. You've got 20 freshmen on the two deep and Nevada's pretty good and getting 11 points at home. So I think that's one where uh, they better be on, uh, you know, that's a big upset alert. It's amazing to me how many of these teams are on the road this week. You're seeing Northwestern, Purdue's on the road, Wisconsin's on the road. That's a pretty – that's a lot. Usually Big Ten teams cozy up and get somebody – they're pretty beatable week one. It's nice to see. I mean, you you know, other schools never want to leave. I think Ohio State's only at home. Uh, I want to say Michigan this year. I know they've got Army week two. You know, I, look, with the, with the playoff system, we just haven't had a situation yet really where a team has been rewarded for playing a very tough schedule. Obviously, there have been no two lost teams that made it into the playoffs. Ohio State got a little bit of a break the year it lost to Virginia Tech, but then, you know, rallied and beat Wisconsin 59 nothing in the Big Ten title game. But I really do hope that at some point there will be a two-loss team that makes it in the playoffs because otherwise these teams are just not finding the incentive to schedule up. I mean, a lot of people say, well, if Ohio State doesn't play at Purdue last year, I mean, if the Big Ten only has eight conference games instead of nine and they don't have to play another team in the West, maybe Ohio State's in it. I would counter by saying most of the year Ohio State didn't even resemble a playoff team. They should just be happy they made the Rose Bowl. But uh, I do really hope that harder scheduling is going to get rewarded at some point. You're going out to Palo Alto, Stanford University, who's one of their bigger prominent alums, was Andrew Luck, who I think shocked a lot yeah. of people by by Good. retiring from professional football last week. And then, man, there was some real blowback toward him initially from some media types. Then a lot of former players, current players, rallied around him a little bit. What do you think of Luck's decision and then some of the uproar that it caused? I thought it was absolutely fascinating, Greg, because a lot of the local people like Dan Dockett, uh, yeah. They were very, very harsh on him. And I, I guess Dan, over the years, had been critical of him. Whereas basically everybody who you know was taking a more national view was like, lay off this guy, man. Um, you know, you don't know what he's going through. Well, why, why should he have to suffer all this pain just what for your for the sake of your fantasy team? You know, I was I was really trying to put myself in the shoes of those Colts fans, and I mean, look, maybe they're just so shocked by it. Maybe they're just kind of jeering. But bottom line is, if you're an NFL player, after hearing them boo Andrew Luck, I think more than ever you feel like, okay, we're just a piece of meat. They don't care about us. All they do is care about, you know, can we help 
their team win so they feel better about themselves. It was a bad moment for the NFL. Andrew Luck, I appreciate his honesty saying it hurt him. And I bet a lot of those uh, fans um, wish they hadn't done that. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, you'll probably hear some chatter about that when you're in the press box on Saturday. Well, that's not the only game you're catching this week, right? You're going to do a little double dip over the weekend. Absolutely. Catch a couple plays. I think I fly into Cincinnati because it was cheaper than flying into Louisville. And then uh, be there Monday for Notre Dame's opener against a Louisville team that was awful last year. Went only 10. I'm sorry, went 2-10. and 10. Uh, but then they hired the coach from Appalachian State, who's obviously been wildly successful. So um, their name is a 19-point favorite in that game. But um, I think Louisville is probably a better play, and they'll obviously be way better. And Notre Dame lost a lot of good players, including, you know, Miles Boykin, the great receiver. Their top tight end is injured, Cole Komet. So I think it could be a tighter game than expected. Well, travel safe. Enjoy the games. Can't wait to hear your report next week. Thanks, Greg. Be well, buddy. There you go. Teddy Greenside of the Chicago Tribune joining us on our Sports on a Hotline. All right, tomorrow night on the program, Ben and Nate will have you. I'm going to be over at the Husker Power Banquet tomorrow night, honoring 50 years of Husker Power. What do you got tomorrow night? What, what are you guys going to hit everybody with tomorrow night of the program? No no Ian Rappaport yet because you don't have any NFL action starting yet. No, we'll do our Big Ten picks. We'll go through that, uh, get our first slate of, of, of games for the season. Going to lasso you in here for a segment. And, okay. And Nate will get us everybody prepared of what the big games are for the weekend and, and where they can find them all. Cornhusker conversation, make a debut tomorrow night. We're, we're talking about it, talking about it, playing a little snippet of that. So uh, we, that, they'll probably make an appearance. They'll probably make an appearance tomorrow that's a, as well. That, that's always fun. You play a little bit of what's a much more elongated form that you put in Husker game day with the Cornhusker and I. Those are just so much fun. I know you really enjoy sitting down and learning a lot about the players. Well, it's fun talking to them about other things other than, you know, about camp, about the next opponent and just generic stuff. And, you know, a lot of times you, when you give those kids a freedom to talk about where they come from and, you know, important people in their lives, high school coaches, their recruiting stories, there's usually some pretty good stuff that, that comes out of it. And it's nice to get to know them on a more on a more personal level, you know, under the helmet and, and what they're like as people. And, you know, that's how you grow the relationship. And that's how, you know, our fans get to know what they're like other than just, you know, what number they wear and what position they play. Well, you dive into their background and kind of see what, what's made them the person that they are. And it's always fun, too, to talk to a guy and see how much he's grown up since he came on campus. And you've got some amazing stories of guys that were – really immature when they first get here and then they laugh at themselves when they think back what they were when they walked on campus three four years ago and and the one that that epitomizes that will play tomorrow night yeah good tease there again join Spreetail and the food banks of nebraska tomorrow it's tomorrow night before the game four to eight outside of pba for the stronger than hunger kickoff party let's end childhood hunger together Callers and guests into our show. Dot us up on our Sports on the Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Thanks to Ben, Josh, Nick, and all of you. Have a great night. Good night.